0: Welcome to broadcast number 75 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is an indie game development talk show that airs bi weekly on Saturdays at noon U.S. Central Time to help you keep up with the ever evolving world of indie game development, debate about issues in the indie game scene, and to let you into the minds of some of the most interesting people behind the creation of indie games. Today is March 26th, and I'll be your host, Brett Hudson, broadcasting live from the Midwest United States. We have a guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hello. Uh my name is Lisa Brown. I am a independent game designer. Um I have been in the games industry for almost 7 years. I used to work in AAA at Insomniac Games and uh went indie actually just about 1 year ago today as we were figuring out um and currently I the ugh, this year I am a the game designer in residence at Harrisburg University. Ooh. So, I've been Doing my own stuff, but also Educating the youths and whatnot Which has been pretty fun
0: I, I missed that part when I was, you know, doing my, my Research, figuring <laughs> out who you were
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, So I didn't know about that We'll have to yeah. bring that up
1: That is why I'm in Pennsylvania currently Instead of uh, LA Ah,
0: yeah. that, it all clicks It all clicks Yeah,
1: it, It's actually, it's a really cool program um, It's basically, it's a year long Residency, and it's like an artist in residence uh, only for a game designer instead uh, so it's basically I just, you know, I'm here, I'm working on my own projects but also advising student projects and, and whatnot. It's it's really great because it it gives the developer sort of a, a nice buffer, a nice chance to work on stuff but still have income and it gives the school an opportunity to take to expose their students to someone Who is in the industry like right now So mm-hmm. someone who can bring Sort of bridge the gap uh, To the professional industry uh, And it's been really great so far
0: Yeah, it sounds like a fantastic experience And uh, Which university did you say?
1: It's Harrisburg University Harrisburg. In Harrisburg, Pennsylvania And uh, it's for their They have an interma- uh, interactive media program Okay So it's, uh, games are like a subset of that Ah, gotcha. So they they do other other sort of general like app development or like projection mapping stuff or any any sort of media that involves interactivity, but uh, games are included in that.
0: Sweet. So we will. Uh, what? Where? Where was I? Um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, IRC. That's right. Okay. I was like, we we don't quite jump into the news quite yet. All right. We have an IRC channel set up. Um. On the irc.afternet.org network, uh, it's channel Indie function, I-N-D-I-E function. Um, you can either get to it via an IRC uh, client or there is an embed uh, embedded IRC iframe at the bottom of the radio page. So if you're listening to this live on the page, you can jump in there, uh, enter an username, click, click OK, and then you'll be in there and you'll be able to talk to uh, both Lisa and I about sh- uh, show topics that we bring up, uh, ask questions... And just have a good time. So, if you want to jump in there, uh, definitely do that. Otherwise, we're going to move on to the news. We oh, have four on. four topics today, All right. and it looks like I closed one. So oh, no. let's, let's get that back open. <laughs> <Three topics>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, first up is the Game Maker Sandbox is closing on April eighth, which is I don't I don't even know um just just under two weeks away, thirteen days. Um, so it's a Friday and uh for those that aren't familiar with what the yo-yo game sandbox is yo-yo games uh years ago before game maker studio um during the game maker 8 8 8.1 era they had a much different website where people could upload games it it was a web portal for game maker games basically uh and then when they shifted to studio they wanted a more professional uh website to bring in bigger developers and kind of expand their market uh, so they they took the old site and put it at sandbox at yoyo and they said they were going to take it offline. Um, nobody's been able to upload games for years, uh, and it's just kind of been this archive of all of these all these games that have been made with Game Maker over the years. Uh, there's there's some great gems in there too. But they're finally closing it now that the Yoyo Games or the Game Maker, what is it? The Game Maker Player, I believe it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since that's now just about released. They're f- fully shutting down the sandbox um, and it'll be wiped wiped from the internet on April 8th. So if you have any games up there or have, you know, some nostalgic games that you remember playing there, uh, download them soon because they're not going to be available for much longer. Um, I don't know if anybody's creating any archives. I think there's some legal issues with that because of copyright, but yeah. um, you might be able to find one of those uh, on the web but i wouldn't I wouldn't hold your tongue. it might not happen I don't know because yeah, legal issues
1: <laughs> this is this is actually a really interesting thing for me mm-hmm. uh, because one of the things I've always sort of marveled at is how gamemaker used to have this sort of reputation as as being like not legit for a really long time. Mm-hmm like something that hobbyists use and and how that over time transformed into being like, okay, this is actually one of the most popular engines for, for making 2D games and yeah. a lot of big releases have come in it. And there most mostly I, I used to like hear hear people who had sort of come learned of game maker and its old reputation and then when like, oh no, actually it's it's become like a legit professional piece of software Mm -hmm. but it sort of sounds like they're they're trying to like shed shed the old association uh and this seems like a way a way of doing that in a way Mm -hmm. uh, just just because most of those old games were made when game maker had a different reputation than it does now yeah sort of like brand management or whatever
0: yeah and i i don't even know Every day there were probably twenty people uploading the the first game maker tutorial as their mm-hmm. first game on the site. So yeah, there was <laughs> it was just flooded with, um, you know, people making their their first games, and there was also you know just a lot of beginner stuff that made the software look as if it's only for beginners and I can't create good stuff. Right, so right. You're you're absolutely right there
1: this is actually something that i feel like is happening a bit with with unity uh, as far as it's its brand and its reputation uh because like way back when unity was not like barely anyone knew what it was it it had a very different sort of feel to its its branding it was sort of new and people were like what is this is this going to catch on i don't know it seems kind of like specific niche and then it turned mm-hmm. into this wonderful open platform that that lots of people could access and use and then i think for a while it started it started slowly developing uh sort of a reputation similar to what game maker had in that I, I would hear a lot of people who who would associate unity with like student games mm. they would see like the unity splash and they'd be like oh no this is going to be a student game blah blah, blah. <laughs> uh but, it's, but now I think the, the big thing for me that, that shows like, the evolution of Unity as a company and a brand is their, their certification thing, which I have very, very strong opinions on Unity certification, and they are not positive opinions. But it's, it's like a sort of a move towards uh, uh, them being more like a corporate software in mm-hmm. a way. And if you compare that to what Unity's branding or image was way back when they were just first up and coming, it's it's like you know they've been through a whole cycle of image.
0: So, what what exactly is the certification? I I oh haven't heard about
1: goodness. it. Oh my goodness! Okay, what, We're gonna, we're gonna go on a rant. <laughs> <laughs> so this was this was a I think announced during GDC, maybe. Okay, that's that, why I missed it. Yeah, that uh, Unity you can now get certified. You can you could take a certification test. Like, like, you know how in, in IT, there's, you get certified and all these different softwares Mm -hmm. where meaning you, you take some test and you get a piece of paper (laughs) to be like, okay, you're a certified (laughs) A plus developer, you know? And, and I was, when it, when Unity announced this, I was, I was kind of uncertain. I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. So I asked around everyone else and, uh, the, the thing is, I think the, the fear is that uh, maybe uninformed employers will uh, assume that a u- u- certification in Unity is like make, sub- showing someone to be more qualified for a position and might use it as a, a hiring sort of filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, when in fact, the way if you, you look at the way the certification is set up, it, it it doesn't basically, it just tells you that you have some surface level breadth of knowledge for the whole tool, mm-hmm. and you were able to memorize uh, a bunch <laughs> of functions. It doesn't say if you're a good engineer or a good game developer, uh, but their idea was like, oh, we're you know we're going to release these sort of um, I guess, that tutorials like learning courses, and that way people will be able to get more informed about unity and on mm-hmm. our surface it's like oh that's a good thing but then to take the certification test it's like you know it's like a 250 dollars test fee whoa and yeah and it's it, which is cheaper than like if you look at other sort of software certifications in other fields mm-hmm. but it's still a big barrier and it based it, it will end up that all the certification will say is you know you had the money to, to take this test yeah it doesn't say you're a good developer and my fear is that um it's i think that people who are already developers can sort of see that oh this is not actually a good judge of if you are a good unity developer or not but my fear is that it's sort of a trap for students mm-hmm. because because students they they very much you know at least in the united states um that we sort of like condition them through education to have this mindset of uh, fulfilling requirements to get the grade, mm-hmm. and that sort of, you know, when they get up, that that sort of translates to, oh, what are the requirements I need to fulfill to get the job? So, uh, st- and actually, it's funny. I had a student a while back ask me if if you could get certified in Unreal, and I was like, I don't think so. I don't that that doesn't see. I don't think you like games industry software it has certification and then this unity thing happened (laughs) I was like oh crap now the students are going to see that think they need to get that to have a box on their resume that will mean they will get a job and that's that's sort of the mindset that it preys on Mm -hmm. because students are conditioned to think that way to be like oh I can take this test and get this on my resume and that'll help me get work and so that's that's sort of my fear with the certification program, but it's sort of, as far as the image thing, it's it's strange because it makes Unity feel more like a corporate software. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you can get, you get certifications in like InDesign, you know, or Adobe products or Microsoft products. And it just feels like a, a subtle shift of the tone of the brand of this, the engine that I don't like it. It's like, I'm like, no, I don't think this is a good idea, but who knows how it will go? We'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, and then on the other end of the spectrum, it's also going to... Which might be some of Unity's uh, kind of thinking behind it. Um, a lot of the beginner developers are going to take it and succeed, and then it's going to give them you know, a huge ego boost. And that, Yeah. well, that can be good, it can also be bad, so it'll be interesting yeah, to see like, how that plays it's, out. Yeah,
1: it's just sort of the thing where... Where like you said it doesn't it's not going to tell s- someone if you're a good engineer or not mm-hmm. and but if you think, "Oh, all I have to do is be able to take this test and then i then I'm safe, and no that that's not necessarily true, and now you've just like spent two hundred and fifty dollars on a test that you didn't really need, and potentially, I don't know how they're going to do their courses mm hmm uh, which granted, you know, course, courses can be really helpful and a good idea, but there there are al- already a lot of courses available for, for learning the software. So I don't know. It's just – it's it's sort of a thing that, that seems like, oh, this is just a subtle little thing, but it it's – for me, it's sort of a kind of – I don't know if I want to say warning side. It's sort of a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. It's like – a paradigm shift of the industry very slowly you know that that's more of a corporate attitude in terms of you know engines and software compared to what it's you know what it's ever been and so like the game maker thing ditching its sandbox is sort of the same deal of uh of just changing the brand yeah and their and how they're per- how they're perceived i suppose
0: so I, I guess we'll have to see how Amazon does with all this. If if they right. decide to jump right on here, or if if they're gonna follow the Unity road from the beginning. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Uh yeah. So that was like the other thing was when did Amazon when did Lumberyard get announced?
0: Um February twenty second I believe.
1: Okay. Gosh, it it, <laughs> it seems like that? it wasn't that long ago, but time is just like, booking it. Um. That's that's sort of something that I'm also curious and like watching to see like what what advantages that will have cuz it's basically cry engine right mm-hmm. cry engine didn't really get didn't really get a lot of of traction at least with the indie crowd when it when it changed yeah. its pricing slap role, the so. amazon
0: logo on it well we'll right, get it right. going
1: <laughs> <laughs> so who knows
0: and that's that's a good segue the, oh the next topic we have is announcing unity collaborate beta um uh, mm. Oh, did did you should say something?
1: No, no, I was I was vocalizing my approval. <laughs> oh,
0: approval. Okay, I I thought it was like oh, like oh yeah, no, is no. is this a bad thing? No, um, no,
1: that's it's... actually that um, it's kind of a funny thing uh, related to what I was talking about before because one <laughs> of Unity's one of the biggest flaws of Unity it was its uh, version control support yep. it was was not great, and so. It's funny to me that like they're they're sort of branding this as oh it's this is like this cool new thing that'll help when it's really just they've sort of fixed something that was really broken about their software, <laughs> but they're they're sort of framing it as like this exciting new feature and stuff, if that makes sense,
0: yep, marketing branding,
1: uh. yeah, <laughs> although I am happy because that is like the version control support was was. Kind of a big problem, and so any anything that'll make it easier for people to use version control I'm all about
0: <laughs> yeah i hope it's I hope it's simple to hook up um, so basically what's going on here is uh, version control is where you can save iterations of your project basically, so whenever you make changes you can you can save a what's called a commit, and that's kind of a like a snapshot of your program uh, in development and then if you you know Make a mistake and screw up all your code, you can roll back to a previous commit. So there's, it's super, super useful when you're developing yeah. stuff. Um, and, and it's
1: also really handy for working on teams. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's like, that,
2: yeah, that's, like that's the other version
1: control thing. is good anyway. You should use it even if you're a team of one. But mm-hmm. it makes it really easy to, to work, or not easy. It, it makes it a lot more viable to, to work on one project with multiple people.
0: Yeah, they, I think yeah. it's Just the last uh, global game jam, we used Unity and we had some, you know, get issues and it was like, ah, oh, come on, why doesn't this just work? <laughs> um, so it'll be super exciting. Uh, and then before then, I it was Ludum Dare. It was the last Ludum Dare, and we were we were working with Game Maker. You know, let's use all the game engines. Um, yeah. And they have version control built in, but it is an absolute nightmare to work with. I've never gotten it working, and I have tried <laughs> like at least yeah, a I, dozen times.
1: I think um, that that I think that is uh, sort of a a remnant of how engines like um, like Game Maker or like Construct two. I, I use Construct two a lot mm-hmm. for game jams and stuff. I love it, uh, but it's sort of it's sort of evolved out of. Uh, sort of as a tool for hobbyists,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which in that case, version control is probably not on the forefront of your mind. And then when it when you gets to the point where people are starting to use it for for real projects, then it's like, oh god. So like Unreal is great because you know they they've got it sort of built in to the to the engine. Mm. Uh, but it's a uh, yeah it's it's been one of those one of those sort of obstacles of like oh this tool is really great uh it's awesome it's available for anyone and then it's like oh no when you try and try and sort of apply bigger studio mindsets to it it would run into issues mhm so i am curious how uh unity contribute is going to going to do that because it's something that that is very much needed
0: <laughs> yeah it'll also be interesting to see what their tutorials are and what mm-hmm. what things they point out uh especially with assets Um, Mm -hmm. If they're going to promote, you know, putting assets in your uh, repository or if they're going to tell you, you know, your, your, uh, your Git file is going to be 50 megabytes or 50 gigs when you're done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is one thing that like I, I, you know, I I started in the industry at a big, uh, a big studio, so. You know, of course, I got used to using version control regularly as sort of a day to day thing
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then um moving moving on and talking with like indie teams or hobbyist teams and students like <laughs> getting students to understand <laughs> the value of version control it's it's so hard that some of the students I'm working with um they have made i like i'm like this is let me talk to you about version control uh <laughs> I know this is like a huge hurdle to get over figuring out how to work it but I promise you I promise you if you figure out how to mm-hmm. use it it's going to like make your life so much easier in the future
2: Oh, absolutely! and I have a student
1: I have a student who's uh, doing a project in Unreal and you know we've it's it's relatively straightforward to to set up uh, version control in Unreal but you have to do the thing where you know you have to set up your repository and check it out and then link it in the engine and then explain about how committing works It's a it's a lot if you've never done it before, it's a lot of
0: Oh, it's so intimidating. Kind of,
1: it's it's really confusing and mm-hmm. there's a lot of terminology and and stuff. And he's been trying like so hard to to get it working. And I think he ended up with like six different copies of his project just <laughs> trying to figure out how to get it linked through version control. And I'm like every time I'm like I know this is a huge pain right now, but eventually you're going to learn it and it's going to be wonderful and then you're going to be set for a really long time <laughs> for all projects you do in the future. And he believes me, but it's 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 a hurdle. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. And well, it's it, it's interesting, too, because it's it's a lot of stress when you're learning it, but then yeah. afterwards, the stress of that goes away and then also the stress of working on your project goes away because... I know, personally, uh, before I was using version control, I wouldn't touch my project for days at a time, just thinking, like, if I screw this up, mm. I am so screwed, and, you know, I'd, I'd open up a, a second editor and, like, copy and paste my code in there. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Then <laughs> and then it just became this huge mess, and I was like, oh, man, I really need to start using Git. So, yes, yeah. everybody out there, use source control Git. Um, the other one I can't pronounce.
1: SVN is good. Or, yes, SVN,
0: but there's the one with the M.
1: Oh yeah, what is m- there's there's one. M- oh, I have to look it up. There's there's a, a newer one that I've been meaning to try out because um, a a lot of people use Git now, uh, mm-hmm. which is fine, but um, it's if you're working on projects with really big binary files, which you know game development does, mm-hmm. uh, usually like SVN or centralized version control is a little better for that. Um, but i think that git is the thing that it's more it's more a in like the the cultural awareness of the internet right now uh the one i was uh looking at is uh plastic plastic source control ooh it's um it's it's a bit different and it is kind of it's kind of uh built for projects with large binary files like games it's it has it had that in mind uh i'll i'll post you a link in in the Skype, so you can see it. Oh, this is like the nerdiest call ever. <laughs> <laughs> like talking about version control and like what and engine stuff and the exciting new version control software that that I want to learn. And it's like, oh my gosh! <laughs> 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 but it's important.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I posted the link in the IRC for uh, everybody in there as well. We have a we have a few people now. Um okay. Yeah, somebody typed the the word. I, I still can't pronounce it. It's m-
1: oh, mercur- mercur- Mercurial.
0: Mercurial. Mercurial. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
1: That's another. It's another distributed uh, version control mm-hmm.
0: type. Oh. Yeah, I I'm forked from Otter Two D Kyle Pulver's engine, and he uses that for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like, oh, sweet, I get a download. get another one, and <laughs> 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 yeah, I use all the Tortoise ones. So I also added onto my um. Context menu
1: yeah yeah I I use tortoise as well it's
0: great (laughs) I I swear it's I think I think my context menu is 1500 pixels tall now (laughs) It's just like poof My friends are like what's wrong With your context menu it's huge Like it's it's all good I'm used to it
1: it's helpful I promise (laughs) Oh goodness
0: Well this is really cool um I'll have to check it out. Uh, do you know if it's like in alpha, beta, release?
1: Um, I think it's it's out there and and usable. I just haven't. I just heard about it, and I was like, oh, I need to check this out. And I have it, I have a link in my workflowy in the check this out column, mm-hmm. and I just I haven't gotten a chance to like mess around with it and see how it works and what's different about it and stuff. Ooh,
0: they have but some... I've heard
1: I've heard good things.
0: Yeah, they have some. Amazing customers: uh, Samsung, HP, NASA, Microsoft, yeah, Sony. Yeah, th- this is looking promising. <laughs> huh. They've got a pretty cool uh, branch explorer too.
1: Yeah,
0: cool
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the thing, right? Branching branching is something that's like if you use SVN, that's like the thing everyone says is that's the one thing it's bad at is branching and. Oh, this is like, okay, can we move on Because this is so nerdy
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sure
1: Oh my goodness I'm just going right. to like, lose you listeners Because we're talking about version control software and it's like, <laughs> 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 But it's important And it's a thing I'm passionate about It's teaching people how to use it And getting it to use it on their projects
0: So oh. we, will, we will transition to the next topic Which okay. is a book About game design By Derek Yu
2: Okay.
0: So That's exciting um, So Derek, you wrote uh, a book uh, ca- uh, About Spelunky I was about to say called Spelunky And I was like, no, no, it's a book about Spelunky um, And basically it is a 200 I think it's 22-page book um, mm-hmm. On the quest to make Spelunky um, Game design decisions he had uh, mm-hmm. It's just this concrete book And it's by uh, Boss Fight Books If you've heard of them And they are have released I think ten books before now, and this is the first one written by uh one of the developers of the game that it covers. Yeah. Usually they're written by somebody else uh, you know, analyzing the game. This is written by the designer himself. Yeah, the
1: actual designer, yeah.
0: So um yeah, it,
1: com- it comes out it's not out yet, right? That to the public. Is it yet? not out yet? Uh I think because I know I know people who have read it but I'm assuming You know what? I think the copy. yeah, I
0: think it's the 28th possibly. Yeah.
1: Oh, here it is. It's the 29th. Comes out on the 29th. 29th. Okay. So soon, very soon.
0: Yeah, I got kind of confused cuz I, I I remember getting an email and there's like an embargo on, you know, uh, reviews and then yeah. this is an article about with an excerpt, but I think that's different because it's not a review. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: Um, I, <laughs> so I've I've heard like, I've heard around on Twitter people saying that they've read it and it's really good. And I, I actually um, I noticed that, that Liz is in the IRC and uh Liz runs a a game design book club.
2: Ooh we read
1: a, a different book every month and discuss and perhaps this would be a good suggestion for for a future book to read. Uh I'm I'm gonna go ahead and pre order it on my Kindle because it's one of those things where if I wait, um I'll forget about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Liz. No, I've, I've heard a lot oh, of like. Th- there's supposed to be some really insightful design lessons in there, uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to that one.
2: mm mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Liz, uh, if if your book club has like a website or a, a Twitter or something, if you want to link it, uh,
1: oh, it it does. Even I mean, if she doesn't link it, I'll go I'll go and link it for. her. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, we can put it in the IRC, and then I can also link it on the the show topics page after after the show. So.
1: This this month's book was the uh, design of everything design of everyday things, mm-hmm. uh, which is an excellent book. And i'd it I'd read it before, but it I think two years ago uh, he did a an expanded sort of revised edition. So I I'm reading that one, and it's it's like reading a completely different book. It's it's an excellent book uh, if you want insights into like any sort of user experience type stuff. I'm grabbing the link. Boom. Sweet. And I'm gonna paste it. N- n-
0: while in the chat. you do that, I will get our last news topic. So this mm-hmm. this is a one in a million thing. We usually don't cover game news that isn't relevant to the indie community in some way. Mm-hmm. Um but John Carmack, he's being honored with the BAFTA Fellowship, it's called and it's Ooh. the the highest honor. And uh I just wanna do a shout out because it's John Carmack, you know, he's he id software, and then he's been working on rockets and like, oh, pff. and id <laughs> released, you know, all their uh, source code, so they're totally open for people learning from them. and
1: mm-hmm. it, I, a, I feel like mm-hmm. Carmack is, he's sort of a unique person in that he is, he is like, you know, a pure sort of like, he's like the programmer, right? He mm-hmm. is, he's like the, the, the hero of games programmers. <laughs> and I feel like um, not a lot of... Games doesn't have as many sort of, like, known names as far as developers, since it's such a collaborative process. Mm. But I feel like Carmack is, is like, the, the the hero of the programmers. And I'm trying to figure out if there are any any other people like that who are, like, purely programmers and um... not... Necessarily, designers or creative directors. Oh,
0: okay. I was I was gonna say probably um, John Blow, but purely mm-hmm. programmer. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's
1: more of a you know he's also a designer, but like it's just it's it's really delightful to read stuff by Carmack or see him talk about stuff because it's it's highly technical, but he's clearly so excited about it <laughs> and so passionate about exploring it, and it makes me it makes me happy to see stuff like that. So. Yeah, well well deserved for John Carmack. Mhm.
0: And the uh the Fellowship of the British Academy Games Awards will be held on Thursday, uh, April 7th, 2016. So, um I it I'm guessing it takes place yep. Uh it looks like it's in London. Um mm-hmm. I don't know where or if you can watch it online, but uh, <laughs> keep your eyes out for that. That'll that'll be interesting. And I know there's always other great uh, developers that uh, win BAFTA awards, so super cool. Exciting, exciting. And that is it for our news.
1: Right.
0: Oof, that was Lots that was a the... long news, but we yeah. we we, <laughs> well, we, kept, we got some good ranty. conversations out of it. <laughs> so good,
1: good.
0: Not at all bad. Oh and oh you've linked. Yeah, you I,
1: linked, the... I linked I linked to the book.
0: The book club. <laughs> um so I, I guess for us um is do is there like a venue or like a IRL meetup for the book club or is it all purely? No. Web? Right
1: now it's it's just all purely uh, it's like a Google group, but but that would be sorta of cool. Like maybe next year at GDC we can have Ooh. book club meetup or something. I don't know. A book club talk. <laughs> oh it's such once again it's like super nerdy but that's okay there's a lot of i think this it started because liz had a mission to to read like every book on game design known Mm -hmm. to man or something and uh since she was she was going to try and read a different one every month and she's like well like maybe other people would like to do that and you should have you should have Liz on as a guest, except for she's not indie, she is uh A, so I don't know I don't know if you have rules about your guests. Uh,
0: yeah, it's 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 a <laughs> bit of a poll. Hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean she does a lot of cool interactive fiction stuff on her on the side, so she's still pretty pretty involved, but um yeah, like there I think um I can't remember like how many books have been read so far in it, but it's it's really helpful because there are a lot of books out on game design and it's it's hard to tell uh, if they are if it's going to be a good read for for you or not. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like a lot of them are sort of really good for beginners or people just getting into it because it's pretty broad or surface level. But uh, there aren't as many sort of design-centric books that are very like deep dives of specific mm-hmm. topics or advanced topics and so we're sort of looking out for stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: Oh, here comes my cat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I distracted. I just counted in it um given that or they they have they have a list on here and assuming that um the first entry on the list is uh, the first month they did it. This is month 10, so it's almost oh, been wow. a year. Oh.
1: So. Almost a year.
0: Yep. I see game feel by Steve Swink. I, I specifically looked for that one on this list. It was, it was number <laughs> two. <laughs> I, I, I oh man, I still haven't finished that. I have it on my tablet. I was reading through it's it on pl- playing a while back, but I don't think I finished mm-hmm. it. So yeah, I'll, I'll sign up for this. It'll be fun. Cool. And now, now it's officially time to talk talk to you about your stuff. All so right. we we just brought up talks. Uh, and we, we were talking about that huh, fun, uh <laughs> a little bit <laughs> uh, before the show. So you have two talks coming up, and you do- you're coming up with ideas still.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to. So I'm giving. I'm gonna be doing two talks: one at the Vector Conference at EKU at the end of April, and one at um, Indie Development, uh, which is in Utrecht in the netherlands in like the end of may mm-hmm. and i'm sort of i'm trying to i'm trying to formulate uh i've i've chatted a bit with uh the person running the vector conference about what sort of what sort of stuff that they're looking for and what their audience is going to be like so i'm in the middle of of trying to trying to extract all of my experiences and see if i can put together something uh i generally i enjoy giving more practical talks i think
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I mean, personal and inspirational talks are also fun, but I, 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 just really, I enjoy seeing practical design talks. So I want to, I want to like give back. So I might, I might do something about, um, like maybe stuff from AAA that I, that I still use as an indie. You know, lessons, the design-centric lessons like that, mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure, but that's sort of the direction I'm, I'm going in is to do something practical.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, um one idea that I just got was um I'm sure there's been a talk about this before but kind of designing around limitations and
1: mm.
0: cuz that's that's always interesting. Like um Yeah, yeah. You know, working on a mobile game or uh I, I remember a while back I was working on a game with the Do you remember PlayStation Mobile?
1: I do remember PlayStation yeah, Mobile. Yeah.
0: So the the great thing about that was um even though the the Vita has a bunch of RAM, you're only able to use so much of, much of it when you're using that <laughs> SDK because it also had to work on the phones that used uh, the same same software. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we we had this image that was so large that we couldn't even load it into the game. If if we stripped everything out and just tried to load this one image, mm-hmm. it would exceed the the uh, size because uncompressed it was um, over three hundred megabytes.
1: Oh my god. So. <laughs>
0: We we went crazy. Uh, we we tried um, turning it into binary, and then it was a seventy five megabyte file. And I was like, that did not work. And I was like, maybe yeah. if I put a number of how many zeros in a, are in a row, and then you know zero, and then you know alternating numbers, maybe maybe that'll work. And I never got anything. So it, it would be kind of interesting to see if if you've had any experiences with limitations like that. Um, how you how you went about them and like what angles, uh, you came in at and yeah. what failed, what worked.
1: I, I think that con- designing around constraints is is interesting anyway because often often that's where the coolest stuff comes from mm-hmm. is when you have a constraint that you're working under. And I actually uh, it's something I enjoy doing like in my, my own projects is is establishing constraints for myself uh, just to. To have something to design against, I guess if that makes sense. If mm-hmm. everything is open and you can make anything in the world you want, it's it's usually not as helpful as it it would seem. Mm-hmm. Um, so so maybe like you know talk about process and designing your own constraints and when to break them and what interesting things come out of them and so on and so forth. I think that uh, looking at looking at how older games were made, uh, there's a lot of lessons there about. Uh, why certain games did certain things because they were usually under some technical constraint or another mm-hmm. but how how that constraint helped sort of form a design in a specific way that that's was innovative or new or something you've never seen before.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Have have you heard of um I'm um, it's it's pretty popular. Have you heard of Handmade Hero? Yes. 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 There's a spin-off of that called Handmade Quake. Mhm. And uh, this guy, Philip Book, he's going through the uh, Quake source code, and it, this ties in nicely because we just brought up junk Carmack um,
2: yeah
0: and he's kind of doing that. He's basically going through the source code um, and he built builds it in modules. so each module he starts with a with a clean visual studio project so you can you can do any module in any order and then you merge it back into the uh, the uh, the main source code that that you work on over the series. So if you're only interested in one thing, you can learn it. But he he talks about what Quake did, and then he changes it up a little bit and is like, "This is a more modern way of doing it." He, they did it this way because they had this constraint. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And you you saying it that way, it just made me think of it, and I was like, "Oh, why didn't I bring the yeah. buffers?"
1: <laughs> that that actually reminds me. Last year at the end of the year, I, I went on like a vacation of sorts and traveled around and one of the things i did was um i my brother had found he had found a backup file from our old family computer <laughs> and he opened it and he found uh several of my old uh doom levels that i made when i was like i don't know 15 years old and i was like oh gosh send those to me i want to see if they still work
2: mm-hmm. so i
1: like downloaded a doom uh level editor and you know they did they they did open but it was you know i was 15 and had no idea what i was doing so they were pretty pretty terrible but it was interesting to look at them and remember what i was trying to do like uh-huh. the thing the feeling i was trying to get when i was making those so then i i got inspired to just play around in the doom editor now that i am like a grown up professional game designer adults uh, and, and <laughs> compared to when i was a a a young Don't know anything, youth. (laughs) Uh, So, so that was that was fun, like playing around with the Doom level editor because that has that has a number of of constraints just with how you can construct the levels, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's it's technically two D, so you can't have you can't have like spaces. Basically, you can't have like a bridge that you can go over and also walk over. Oh yeah, uh, because it's not it's not like true three D. So. Trying to make spaces that that get a similar feeling but work around the constraints of how you can construct levels it it was it was a fun it was a fun exercise and it's also since it since it was so much simpler uh, being able to to make things in it uh, it is a lot more straightforward because you know you're just like laying out walls and and setting what the sprite should be in stuff compared to working in a 3d editor. So it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun to to go back and try and work under like old constraints that they just purely in how the uh, the game was made.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's always fun running into old stuff and just being like, wow, this is so <laughs> awful. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it, it's nostalgic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it, it made me smile just listening to you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so Doom, wow yeah i uh i still don't think i've played doom um i've played quake now but uh doom was a bit before my time
1: yeah doom yeah. was doom was a very i think it was a very formative game for me uh it i remember you know playing uh, playing it and also making the levels but i only had one other friend who had it mm-hmm. and we would i would i would make her like Try my levels, or I'd be like, "Oh, let's let's play." And in order to like get a deathmatch match going, you had to like call your friend and be like, "You ready to do this?" And they're like, "Okay." And then you you know you you it, it's a, through a modem, so you connect to them directly through the modem so that you can play. And then if anyone like picks up the phone, then it just like. Disrupts the connection. You get mad because you are winning and then they picked up the phone, and then the parents are like, "I need to use the phone." <laughs> you are like, oh, "I am playing." So I am <laughs> playing Doom mom. Yes, yes. It it was just like remembering the process you had to go through to 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 do that, uh, and it was actually a couple years ago I participated in seven day FPS. Mm, okay. And for some for some reason, I decided I wanted to make an online multiplayer game. <laughs> For a game jam, which I normally advise against, but I was like uh, feeling spry.
0: It's seven and days. You got this.
1: Yeah. So, but the but the way it the way you connect to a game is very very old school. Like basically, I made this little place where you have to put in the IP address of the person hosting the game, and that's how you connect. So you had to go to like a chat first and like organize a game, and then when everyone is ready, like. You gave them the IP and you're like, Is everyone in? Is everyone in? And then everyone's in. Okay, then launch the game. And uh it was it was fun, but it, it kind of reminded me that before matchmaking was a thing, uh the way you the way you organized and got into to games was very di- different and often had a more personal feel to it, I mm-hmm. suppose. Because you were you were you had to like find these people and Talk to them beforehand, and there's like the hurdle of just getting it organized and getting everyone into the game. That sort of humanizes people before you play with them.
2: Oh. And so,
1: I was thinking about how matchmaking matchmaking like fixed the the main problem matchmaking fixed was not being able to find a game. Right, mm-hmm. like if you didn't know anyone or you like going out and like finding sort of play on. Uh, was a big obstacle and matchmaking fixed all that by making it you don't have to worry about it, but also something I think was was lost in in how you used to be able to put these games together and interact with people uh before you played with them, and it made them more human i guess yeah, it might be so it might be like too deep of a of a interpretation, but that's sort of I had that feel when I was making that and Trying to do multiplayer games back when you were on a modem. Yeah. That's, had a very similar feel. <laughs> that's so
0: true, though, because yeah. now. Because it, it, back then, if you, you know, were swearing up a storm, calling people this and that, mm-hmm. um, which there probably wasn't voice chat back then, but, <laughs> uh, you know, text chat, um, they just wouldn't play with you anymore. And now yeah. there's millions of people on pretty much every game willing to play. Right regardless i think
1: it's a good lesson that every time you you fix whenever you fix a major problem like that be it a technical problem or an access problem Mm -hmm. or what uh you always lose something and maybe it's not maybe it's not always a, a good thing but it's it's just important to keep in mind that whenever you sort of make an advancement that makes things easier uh sometimes you lose you lose something in the process and Don't often think about that because usually we're just focused on how much better the new thing is.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, they 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 talk about that all the time with you know uh, just modern communication with phones and stuff. Mm -hmm. We can communicate with the world so much more, but you know we communicate with people around us less. Mm -hmm,
1: So, mm -hmm. for sure.
0: Oh, comes down. Yeah, trade offs. (laughs) Talk about trade offs a lot, actually. Think about it. It's a good topic. I Mm. think
1: so. Yeah. That might be, maybe that's maybe that's the talk topic I should talk. The about. talk topic. I should write it down. <laughs> there you go. Bring it Trade back offs. around. Uh,
0: if, if you go to this talk, you can't go to that. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing. I'm writing it down my workflowy so I can remember later to think about it. Workflowy.
0: Nice. <laughs> I, I've used that um, once before or twice mm-hmm. actually. Uh, Dan Fessler introduced it to me. It's pretty great. Oh.
1: It's my it's my favorite um, it's it's my favorite thing to, to basically organize in because it's so simple. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's basically just bulleted lists that you can nest and that's it. But it's so simple that it means it's super flexible. So I I've, I've tried using like other sort of organization methods and stuff over time but I always end up just back on Workflowy in the end. Really? Mhm.
0: Yeah, I've I've been a big fan of Trello for a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, and the the main thing with it is that it also integrates with Slack. So
1: oh yeah, oh Trello integrates with Slack. I didn't mm-hmm. know that.
0: Yep. Ooh. So you you can get updates whenever cards are modified or.
1: Oh, that's really cool.
0: Somebody posts I love on Slack. A card. Yeah, <laughs> Slack is so amazing, and they they just opened up their we're, we're about to nerd out a little bit. Um, they just opened up their integration uh, API, I guess. Um, oh, cool. Or something. So. Other people can, you know, tap in and create their own integrations.
2: Nice. For whatever. <laughs> uh,
0: we just got some more people in the IRC. Welcome to Hello, welcome friend. to the chat. It's been pretty quiet. Uh, if anybody has any questions uh, for Lisa uh, or any any topics that you think we should talk about, uh, just throw them in the chat. Um, I think source control is we we've discussed that enough today, so it's <laughs> off top that it's. Not off-topic. It's um,
1: <laughs> off limits. Off
0: limits. There we go. So, yep, no source control. <laughs> uh, so uh, before before the show, um, I woke up kind of late. I wasn't sure if I was gonna have time for it, but um, it, it's pretty easy to get through it pretty fast. Um, I uh, I booted up Imaginal. Um, oh, cool. And played through that uh, shortly uh, before the show, so it was fresh in my mind. Nice. And oh, it is, it's so simple, but it's, it's so impactful because you. when you're playing it, it, it feels like you're sitting down with you and that was,
1: that was the goal. That yeah. was like the one sign goal I had was I want to make this game feel like you're spending time with me.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it, 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 it feels like it's nighttime and you know, you guys are kind of tired and you're just mm-hmm. spilling your mind and um like even even on a deeper level, uh, it says a lot about you and um it it sounds like you're you're reflecting just mm-hmm. on the day on life, but you have a very positive outlook. Um, you're very hopeful, yeah, that they're still good um, in the world, you know
1: i d- I don't know if it's noticeable, but the the tone of the insights change depending on what part of the night you're in when you catch a blue bug. Oh. So in very early, like at the very beginning, they're they're kind of more silly or comical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the night goes on and gets very dark, they tend to be uh, pretty sad. Uh, and then if you catch them during the sunrise period, they're more like insightful or hopeful or, or something like that.
2: Okay.
1: um and it's super it's super super subtle, but the system set up to to choose what insight to play is is fairly complex uh <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I was thinking it was all random and i I got a sad one, and I was like, oh, that one just kind of seems out of the blue
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's um it's something super subtle, but I think it it's something that impacts the pacing of of the whole thing even though it's a very short game mm-hmm. uh it, it's 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 interesting that that game actually I did a lot uh, where the the thing in the game was a very, very subtle impact, but the systems behind it that I worked to make that way ended up being very complex, so it was always an ask of like is this is this worth it for this tiny subtle thing? Are people gonna notice and I'm like, well, people might not notice consciously, but I think like subconsciously it may. Makes for better pacing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind I of ended like up a transition
0: uh, curve instead mm-hmm. of just like oh let's grab this one and that one and just throw whatever at the player.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I guess if you if you play it again, like like notice notice mm-hmm. what at what, what point in the night you're at, which which that in and of itself is pretty subtle too. There's mm-hmm. basically four phases, and they just very slowly transition. Uh, and then it'll get very dark. Um and then the the sunrise part, everyone notices that. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, that was that was an interesting game uh, for those reasons because a lot of the feedback in the game was like that. Very, very like low key and downplayed and not really in your face compared to, say, making an action game where you <laughs> want the feedback to be like really punchy and noticeable and, and yes, and you notice when the, the transitions are and stuff like that. So it actually, making that was, it was a different experience for me design-wise, and I was sort of solving different problems that I had not necessarily solved before mm-hmm. in what I was trying to do compared to games I had made before that. Huh. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, it it was really, really well designed. Like, I I, I expected it, because you were a game designer that was a professional <laughs> for years and years, so... Um, but like even just you know small things Like uh, the light off the screen Telling you that you can go to the side
1: Yeah it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, everyone, there's like everyone calls that out mm-hmm. Everyone's like oh I really like this So nice and <laughs> um, Actually so I In addition to that game I also made I made an installation version of the game Which I have never had an opportunity to To show but mm-hmm. um, It basically uses uh, Philips Hue LEDs uh, which are lights that that basically you can control through an API. So um, my partner made a a plugin for Construct Two, so you could interface oh. with these lights. Oh, like they're so physical made, lights. Like physical lights in the space. So I made an installation version where um, the lights are interactive, and there's like ambient light, uh, which the colors sort of transition depending on the time of night, and then lights on either like sort of behind the TV. Like I had it playing on a TV and so the left and right lights would, would flash depending on the oh. you know, if you got lights over the side. And it was really cool and I, I spent a lot of work on it, uh, but I I have yet to have an a reason <laughs> to to show that version. Um because it's I was thought like, oh maybe I could try and like get in a festival but then it's like, oh that's like a really pain Pain in the ass setup to mm-hmm. to get all these lights together, but it's cool. I promise, it's cool.
0: <laughs> so, are, are are they just like loose lights, or are they on a board?
1: Um, no, they're just uh, they're like bulbs. So you put them in lamps, um, and they're just uh, they have a full, a very broad like p- color spectrum that you can change the color and you can change the brightness. So um, I have them just like in in my apartment because. It's it's fun and cool, and you can like preset the lights and change all the colors and stuff. But the the nice thing about these lights is uh, they have uh, an API for them. So basically, you can pretty much make an interface for them and, and lots of different things. So if you just want uh, straightforward like programmable lights, uh, they're they're really good for that.
0: Here's an API for your light bulb.
1: Yeah. It's the Internet of Things. Mm-hmm.
0: There, there was a satirical thing that I saw the other day where there's it was an API for your toothbrush.
1: That's what <laughs> I, was
0: like, I don't think it was I know satirical. Exactly the
1: toothbrush you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I think it was real. And it like it like notifies you when you've when you've brushed for the requisite two minutes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Look out, guys! I, I'm gonna hack your toothbrush.
1: <laughs> I really love the Internet of Things. It's it's something that I. I don't know. It's just like a playful delightful thing for me. Or like the fact that, you know, your you your Roomba has an API so you can program your Roomba if you want, if you have one. I don't know. You could just stick a blade on it and enter it in robot wars or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you would want to program your Roomba, but you can do it if you want.
0: Hmm. Yeah, most of these are, you know, they're they're usually pretty good. Um I remember there was a Kickstarter a while back. Um you might have seen this it got a bit of press. It was um it was a good cause but you uh you basically could hook up um a needle to your arm and what? yeah and basically every time you get got shot in the game it would take oh a bit my of, God. It, would t- <laughs> it would hold up it, w- it would take a bit of blood from you and you know put it in you know like a blood bag to to donate um and it was up on Kickstarter for like 3 days and then Kickstarter was like I don't think this is okay. <laughs> But <laughs> like their their intention was like at first I was totally like, is this a joke? But then like they're <laughs> like, oh no, you know we we have like a whole donation thing, and it it turns off once you filled the bag or whatever. I'm like, people are gonna pass out and die. Oh
1: my god, that's wonderful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty great.
0: Oh. Yeah, I wonder what ever oh, happened technology. to that. But yeah, no, it, it like hooked up to the vibration in the controller, so every time your controller vibrates, it's like.
1: <laughs> it,
0: it out. Oh. That would be so weird.
1: Yeah, but um, but it- jumping back to Imaginal. Really <laughs> right. Sorry. Just taking it, taking it all the way back around. Poofed. Um, yeah, like so, like you said, like the goal, the design goal was, I want to make a game that feels like spending time time with me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and. I, I, it definitely came off that way because, you know, I've had close friends who have played the game and t- they've just said that, like, oh, this, been, this feels like spending an evening with Lisa. And I'm like, yes, success. Uh, but something that was sort of a, a side effect of that that mm-hmm. I dis- didn't anticipate was, um, I was like, I will make this game with this audience in mind. And then, then it, it will, you know, if I'm, if I have a, like a specific audience and I make it and then it might resonate and, uh, impact more people, like maybe more people will connect to it that I don't necessarily know, mm-hmm. and that happened. I got a lot of messages from, you know, strangers uh, on Twitter who had who had played it or made let's plays of it, and and they it really impacted them. They were like, "Thank you, thank <laughs> you for making this game," and it's it felt it was it felt good, but it also felt sort of like weird, uh, and and I couldn't place it I was like why do I feel so so like weird and and awkward like when when this game impacts strangers because that was my goal right that's Mm -hmm. what I wanted it to do and uh, I was I did some you know like soul searching about it and I think the what what ended up happening was like it was such a personal game that when people I didn't know had a connection with it it almost felt invasive
2: Mm. And I
1: wasn't expecting that. I was like, why does this feel this way? I'm, I should be really happy that that other people are playing this. Um, and someone, someone had a good analogy for it. They said, uh, well, it's almost as though, like, say you wrote an, an impassioned love letter to someone <laughs> and, like, poured your heart into it. And, like, some stranger came up to you and had intercepted the letter and they were telling you how how like impactful it was and how, how much it inspired them and you just like I was like that's that's kind of a good analogy of how it feels. Passing
0: um, a note in class and you know, the little yeah, man it's, reads it's, it.
1: Yeah, someone else is like, oh this this really spoke to me <laughs> and I was just like oh gosh, it feels so strange. So so I think it's something that, that can happen with really personal games, but I was not I was not anticipating it. Like no one no one warns you about that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of it's it's strange because I love it when people play the game and have a connection to it. Like that's like that was my goal, and and hearing when when people have that and when I reach my goal is really satisfying. But at the same time, it, it like there's this weird sort of disconnected feeling that I that happens, and I wasn't expecting it. So it's it's been a very strange game for me as far as how people. How people connect to it, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm still sort of sorting out my my thoughts on on that whole process because I think there's something interesting there that uh, maybe you know b- talking about making a very personal game it might be a good a good thing to talk to people about before they before they jump in you know <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be like this is this is a thing that can happen and it's it's strange
0: yeah so I mean, I have this. F- Philosophy um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very open I will tell anybody Anything about me like I Just don't care yeah. <laughs> but, but I don't um, Because I Feel that if I should share Everything about me with the world the, Those friends that are super close to me I don't you know have those You know deep dark secrets or oh, you know, right, Whatever right. to share with them so It makes relationships less personal And I know that your game isn't like super deep in the sense, like, oh yeah, this is my life story, um, right? Right. But, like, what 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 are your opinions on that? I guess.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting thought. Like, like reserving some of that to be like special between very close friends. That's something <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about before. But uh, I think it's it's similar. Like some of those some of the insights in the game. Basically, every every insight in the game comes from a real life conversation I basically combed through chat logs with friends and and other things and and found these little bits that, that felt very much like me so
2: mm-hmm.
1: like all of those are from usually conversations with very close friends uh, they weren't necessarily made up or anything mm-hmm. and like maybe reformatted a bit to, to make sense in, in the context but uh, yeah it's it's like uh i think that you know they can impact people but if if that friend like gets that insight then it's there's there's like additional meaning to it um <laughs> like there i don't i don't know which ones you have seen but one of them is about how um like graffiti in LA is different from graffiti in New York and i talk <laughs> about how one time at the park uh in LA i saw i saw new york style graffiti and then i got really curious about who was this person and like where did they come from and what their story (laughs) was and were they from the east and and whatnot Mm -hmm. and my friend um alan he was that like that's an actual story i really did go to griffith park and and see this and my friend alan was there with me Mm -hmm. and those were the things i said to him i was like oh like I was talking about the difference between styles, and I pointed it out, and I was like that's New York style graffiti and later, Alan played my game and he got that insight, and he said that like it sort of changed the tone of the game the rest of the game for him. It just felt like super personal after that because that was something that that was literally from an experience we had both had, and it just like made it that much deeper mm-hmm. so I think in that case, it's like I am sort of being very open with a lot of things, but but rather than it taking away from a close connection with a friend, it's more like if that friend happens to get that insight, it just makes it it just like makes it an even stronger connection because they know what's that what it's from and it it's I've had a couple of experiences like that like. With people who played the game And got an insight that is from an interaction With them and as a result Felt like just way more connected To it
2: mm-hmm. So I, I think in my case it works really out Really
1: good
0: <laughs> Like oh my gosh I'm kind of in your game in a way You know
1: <laughs> Yeah
0: Wow <laughs> Oh shoot what was I going to say
1: Oh no <gasps> My magic.
0: mind, where has it gone? Um yeah, where was I gonna go with this? I don't know. What you you just said insights
1: magic I was talking about Yeah, connection, it's, making connections. My with train's people. just like
0: <laughs> just <laughs> off. Um and now now I'm thinking about train jam. <laughs> 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 Brain, you're not working with me. <laughs>
2: uh, hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I I don't know where I was going. Shoot.
1: Oh, wow. It's like I, it's Jump. like every other
0: tangent is popping up, but but the one.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's gonna take us back to version control if we're not careful. Oh
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let let me go back to the last commit and you know reboot <laughs> my rank.
2: Um See what
1: the comments were. <laughs> but okay. so I guess one mm-hmm. thing to say about Imaginal mm-hmm. was that um, you know it's a small game. It's 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 simple. I sort of made it. It was extremely personal to me. Mm-hmm uh but it's not like a game that i wasn't i was like not trying to make a commercial game or anything yeah uh but it, in in my mind like the fact that it did like reach a bunch of people and people had connections to it was really was really satisfying but it took a lot out of me to make it because it was so personal so basically i think after i made imaginal um i didn't make another game until uh like train jam just recently because it was no no it just took a lot out of me and so i think uh i made on train jam i i made my goal was to make something like really silly or ridiculous not deep at all not like super personal <laughs> and when i did that i think it sort of got the juices flowing to the point where i'm like all right i'm ready to start i'm ready to start the next project uh, but before that it it was a really long time and I think that's something that maybe you don't think about with uh, developers making, making small games or especially personal games, that, mm-hmm. that there's, like, there's like a, I don't want to say consequence, but there is, like it impacts the, the creator to a certain degree, and it does sometimes take just a lot out of people. And if you're working by yourself or in a very small team, then that's all, on, that's all taken out of you, if it makes sense. When you're working on a big team uh, and the game launches, then then the the stuff it takes out of you is distributed across many people, so it's not as, I don't know, hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah if that
1: makes any sense at all.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, it totally does. Um, there's I, I'm going to say it there's a Tumblr post, <sighs> okay um, <laughs> that I saw a while back, um, and it was about um, J.K. Rowling. And the seven deaths that are in the series I won't say who in mm-hmm. case somebody out there hasn't Harry potter yet um, Yeah, yeah <laughs> But um, it was something about um, how they were each oh, uh, a Horcrux Or a Horcrux? I can't <laughs> yeah. even say it now <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, um, Horcrux is right And uh, like each book, because um, well, there were seven deaths and there are seven books And each book took a little bit of her soul um, oh, kind of. And it is this kind of th- cool, like metaphoric. I, I don't even know, but yeah. it, it's totally that where, you know, it yeah. kind of takes away a bit from you, but it gives a lot to others.
1: Yeah, that's that's actually a really good analogy. Um, I've never that's like what I'm going to start using now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you when you make when you create something, you're like it takes a little piece of your soul and puts it into the creation mm-hmm. and. Lots of people are impacted, but you have a you have like part of your soul missing. <laughs> maybe maybe the soul regenerates. I don't know. You know, over time, it <laughs> mm-hmm. grows back. But it, it does feel like something is taken away from you when you make something, and it's it's like a real thing mm-hmm. you should, to be respected uh, when when you're creating anything. So, if anyone ever makes a small personal game, just beware, beware that this could happen.
0: <laughs> but but when it maybe maybe when it regrow or when it regrows, you know, it gets bigger. It's you, the reward. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, we'll say that. We'll say that because it makes things uh more hopeful. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yep. And, and and that's that's part of the, the messages I got out of Imaginal. Um ex- especially the Rick Roll quote. Like Oh yeah. That is so good. Yeah. Like out of all the nasty vile things. That I think that was the second one that I got today. So the tone that I got today was kinda like they're still good in the world and like yeah. even though yeah. Even though there's a lot of nastiness, like there's still hope.
1: There is still hope.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that that ties into like every TV show that I'm watching right now. So I, it got hooked onto my brain pretty quick. It's like,
1: almost hey. like it's a common human theme or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Because I'm watching Daredevil right now, and you know that's all like good versus bad, and like where the lines are.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. My cat is now crawling. Onto my desk, and is all up in my face. Yeah, make so sure if it you hear a meow, <laughs> that's what it is.
0: Make sure it doesn't hit uh, control. Oh, yeah. There isn't a keyboard shortcut for hang up anymore. Never mind.
1: Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Keep him off the key.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I would laugh. You just like boop, I'd be like, "Oh, cat! <laughs> oh, wait, what's your cat's name?"
1: His name is Mister Davis.
0: Mister Davis.
1: Yes. A very... He is, mm, I think, nine years old now. Hmm. His, his uh, quote-unquote birthday, uh, meaning the day I adopted him, yep. was, was just, uh, just I think, uh, a week and a half ago.
0: Wow, this has been quite a, yeah. an eventful month. Yeah. Six days ago I, was your one-year anniversary of going indie. Congrats. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'll have to look at the exact date because it might be that my indieversary lines up with, with the anniversary of adopting my cat,
2: Oh. Just by a couple of
1: days, so maybe there, there's something about March that's all about transition or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, last year's GDC, hmm. um, shoot, I'm I'm usually really good with dates. I mean, <laughs> I think, was, I right think last year
1: was still started like end of February, like it was really early in March.
0: Okay, yep. I believe. Oh yeah, right, yeah. It was it was the first week in March. It was like the second yeah. to the eighth. Because um. it
1: had it had that uh, it had overlap with Pax East, and mm-hmm. a bunch of people oh, including yes. myself like had to red eye out to <laughs> Boston on like the Thursday night of GDC.
0: Oh my goodness,
1: Ugh. that was that was an experience. <laughs> Insanity
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So GDC happened, and then and then you decided to go indie after that. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm guessing you were planning before though. Before
2: it was,
1: it was kind of a strange thing. I was at the point because I was finishing up Slowdown Bull and Insomniac, which was in itself ended up being like, like an indie incubator of sorts. It was like <laughs> an opportunity for me to make a small game with a small team and still be completely safe and surrounded by really good resources.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, like, it, it finished that up and. I was just sort of in this this weird place of I'd been really involved with the indie community uh, the past year and was just sort of thinking about it, like wasn't sure what project to do next. And it just sort of, I was sort of unsure. Um, and there were there were some other circumstances, like I had paid off my student loans at the beginning of last Ooh, year. So I, I had like savings and no debt. And that's <gasps> like a huge a huge deal, right? Mm-hmm. So I had, I was like in a, in a place where I could, if I wanted to, um, but I wasn't sure. And I had a conversation, um, after GDC with Ted Price and he was like, we were talking about it and he's like, you know, Lisa, if this is something you really want to do, like you should just jump in and do it. And he was like, I have complete confidence that you could, you know, that you would be fine, that you could totally do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of vote of confidence, uh, because Ted Price knows a lot, and he was, he was talking about how, like, when he started Insomniac, that's sort of the place he was at, where he was just, like, jumping in and doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that gave me the confidence to be like, all right, it's, it's time, let's just do it, and... I sort of for me, I did it relatively quickly because I knew that if I sat and thought about it for too long, that I would have been too scared. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm just, let's just do it. I'm doing it. (laughs) And I sort of threw myself into it uh, because I, I knew that's, that's how I would have had, I had to do it or else I would, I'd be too safe because I'm a very, I'm a very far ahead planner sort of person. Mm -hmm. So even though it was like, um, you know 2 weeks out for me that felt like just doing it on the spot. <laughs> uh and I think I definitely got I definitely got important life experience from like the past year especially it's just been mm-hmm. it's just been a roller coaster of adventure. Um like you know doing the Patreon, doing all the dev streaming, working on Hyperlight Drifter, like there's just been it's just okay. been a, all kinds of stuff. I I wrote my year-end review blog post in December and just was like listing all the stuff I had done that year and I was like you know what I think I think I may have overdone things slightly <laughs> <laughs> just a bit <laughs> maybe I should take it back a notch <laughs> because I'm going to you know drive my health into the ground
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but but yeah it's, it was just like a big old adventure
0: wow <laughs> yeah no the uh with, with um Looking forward, that's that is a hard thing if you're always you know planning ahead, and then there's yeah. just like you you have to change everything, then you can't plan yeah. ahead. So I can understand that that would be really really nerve wracking yeah. for you.
1: It was extremely stressful, but I also had many extremely good experiences, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was net positive. I'll just say it as a net positive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I know someone right now, um, that. Uh, they're an artist and they want to make uh art for games and they always tell me that they're not ready and I'm like what what do you mean you're not ready yeah
1: like yeah that's 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 like a trap yeah like, it... I mean there there's a point yeah sure there's there's like you know needing needing some level of skill or knowing at least a little bit of what you're doing but you will never you never feel ready like
2: mm-hmm.
1: you just have to just have to make the jump Yeah, And and also, I think mm -hmm. the thing is Having realistic expectations Mm -hmm. Like, having an understanding That, hey, this might not work out And do I have a plan For if that happens Uh, I mean, that can help as well But you're never You're always, it's always easiest To stay where you are Mm -hmm. Just because that's how humans work, right?
0: Yeah Yeah, and then I've just thought of this recently, I haven't even said it to them But, um like thinking about it in a different way, instead of like you're jumping into doing this, you're jumping into starting doing this. You know, uh, you're, you're yes, starting yes. from the beginning. Like no matter what, it's just if you start now, in a year's time, um, you know you've got this. You have you have a lot of crap. You know, um, yeah, to, that you need to get out. So in a year, if you start now, you'll you'll have one year of crap out, and you'll be closer to <laughs> digging down to that gold. Yes. Um, so yeah.
1: <sighs> Jason Jason Vandenberg, who I believe is is listening right now, or at least mm-hmm. he's in the chat, as uh, a mentor of mine and he his motto is fail fast and follow the fun in terms of making games, which is excellent. But I think it also applies in in life, right? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: When you're when you're trying something new, you've got to get through those first iterations. Quickly, so you can get to the get to the good stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. No way. <laughs> oh, I I think I think I found your uh, in the chat. Yeah, <laughs> all caps. No way.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's it's Fantastic. good. It's a good applicable motto, I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and what was the name?
1: Jason Vandenberg, who is um, creative director at Ubisoft on For Honor, which is a game that I am very excited to play. So hurry up, Jason, and finish your game so that <laughs> I may play it. Uh. <laughs> Fail faster, Follow the fun. Okay. Fail faster.
0: It's oh, fantastic. <laughs> Lots of Fs too. Or well, er, not? Not? not <laughs> maybe not. The letter F should be emphasized, but the the alliteration there. <laughs> uh
1: helps you remember it better.
0: Yeah, I haven't been keeping up with with AAA games. All I know that's coming out is um Uncharted 4. I'm excited for that. Um Final Fantasy 15 and then um I saw that Ratchet and Clank is pretty close to being done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one cuz that you know, I was I was still at Insomniac when mm-hmm. they were making that and it was it was this experience of like you know, there's the movie that was based on the games, and so we were making a game that was based on the movie, but that was based on the game that we had made. <laughs> so there's just, like, this really weird, like, chain of how how does that work? But um, it is a beautiful game. It was beautiful a year ago, and I can only imagine what it's going to look like now, but it's, it's going to be gorgeous. Uh, and I... What am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Trackmania, which I think is... When is Trackmania coming out? It's like super soon. I have to look it up now. <laughs> Doot, do, 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 do. Uh, Which I... It would not have been on my radar except for I played it at um, E3 last year. Mm-hmm. And it has... Um, it has this mode where two people can drive the same car, which sounds like it would be a chaotic disaster, but it's actually really, really really good it has really good ui feedback for for how each input is affecting the car mm-hmm. and i was playing with you know i'd never played a track mania game and i was playing with my partner jacob who played it was very familiar with TrackMania, and you could see like when we were playing together sort of how it how it balanced out mm-hmm. and it was just really cool and i'm i'm mostly looking forward to that because that's just, like, a really cool idea for a mode in a weight racing game.
0: Well, you will be happy to know that it came out two days ago.
1: Oh, my god! sis! Yay! <laughs> yay! Yeah, I was, it was on my radar, and then GDC happened, and then I forgot to pay attention. So, yay! Happens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, it is on $40 on Steam. So All right.
1: The other AAA game that I, I wanted to try was The Division, purely to try out their eye-tracking support. Because I have an eye tracker that I, you know, made some silly games for sometimes, and uh, their their big thing uh, with the company that made the eye tracker was that the game shipped with eye tracker support, and so I just I just want to try it to see what it's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I don't know. Like otherwise, I don't really have much interest in the division. <laughs> but I just I'm just like I want to see what this eye tracker support is like, so I'll probably have to get it and play it.
0: Yeah. So what? <laughs> can can you tell us a bit more about it? i've I've actually never heard of this
1: okay so um basically the device is the um the company is toby x hang on i'll just get a link uh <laughs> toby, it's called the i x tracker i think, and it's essentially um a consumer grade eye tracker that um it's just like got some like little infrared trackers on it and you calibrate it and it will track the, uh, track your gaze. And, um, it's pretty cheap for, for a device. I think it's only like, uh, like 150 bucks maybe. And it comes with APIs so you can, you can, you know, interface with it. Uh, and so, you know, I got this because I really like weird inputs input devices, and so it's like, oh, I want to make games that you play with your eyes. That sounds so cool. <laughs> but the, the primary, I think, focus of the company is accessibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, people using eye tracking in place of a mouse and whatnot. Uh, so, I think that that's sort of that's been their focus, Ooh. and their, their big thing is they've been working with several, like, AAA games to include eye tracker support in the game. So, you can play. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what that integration is, but it's there, and uh, I want to I want to check it out because it's just it's super cool. Yeah, uh, being able to move something around on the screen using your eyes it just it feels it feels so cool. It makes you feel like you're I don't know telepathic or something. Yeah,
0: it, it would be like mind control. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think what is it? close your have you ever you ever played that?
1: No, I haven't Have you heard of it? I don't Maybe Okay it won
0: IndieCade uh, 2014 Oh okay Um, Okay. And basically um, It uses a camera and a mouse Um, So like this would take out the mouse Um, And basically what happens Is um, You're put into this game And every time you blink The scene changes Oh, nice. So, you know, you're riding a bike and you're you're 4 years old and you blink and, you know, you're you're at prom or whatever and yeah, that's uh, it cool. it jumps around and there there's an overlapping story with it um mm-hmm. which you can expect. Uh that's really moving, too. Um and <laughs> I remember it cuz they they also remember me cuz I was the guy that like was playing and he'd forget to blink and he'd be like, "Okay, <laughs> when is this move? All oh, right, I got to blink." <laughs> I I as a kid, a uh, staring contests on the bus. I oh I was gosh. the master. So <laughs> it, it all came back and it paid off. Um but no, this this would be really cool because like they're already using eye tracking, but they they have the mouse and they'd be able to take it out and
1: Yeah.
0: Like do even yeah, more stuff with it. It's
1: It's really cool. I have like a couple of other ideas of things I would I I want to make a game where um basically Maybe it's it's like a fighting game with another person, and um, and when your eyes are open, your health starts ticking down. So you have to keep your eyes closed for most of it and what? try and find the other person. And only like every time you open your eyes, you get you get health start taking away. So it would be like sort of blindfolded flailing at one another to try and and win. Uh, but <laughs> that's, that's one of like, on my list of ideas to, to try with the eye tracker but then that's that's hard because then I'd need two and it'd be a multiplayer game and so on and so forth so lots of obstacles still
0: that but sounds, it's cool it's been fun that sounds like the level of fun that uh, a Twist caper would be Like like <laughs> it sounds like that level of fun where you're just like smiling the entire time and just laughing
1: yeah 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 <gasps> make it <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see. We'll see. It's on the list, I have a big list of game ideas that I I just keep, you know, just in case. I'll probably not ever get to make even a fraction of them, but but it's 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 on the list. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, uh, so we're gonna wrap up in five minutes. So if anybody okay. has any questions, um, get them out in the IRC quick, because this yeah. is your last chance. Well. Good verbally.
1: questions I, I like answering questions. <laughs> nice
0: yeah, I, I'm guessing chat. they've all been just hypnotized by this talk. Mm. Ah, yep.
1: Jason has a good question.
0: Uh, do you know what might be the next game you make?
1: <laughs> yes, I'm actually finally getting started on my next project, and it's going to be a VR uh, project. <laughs> I, have, I have a Vive, and um, it's actually, it's it's. It's going to sound like the silliest, dumbest thing in the world, but I'm making I'm making a game for a specific person. I have a specific person in mind, mm-hmm. and um, this person they are a systems designer, and um, they're very fastidious. They like things organized just so. So if you ever go to their desk, you'll see they have like their pens lined up in order of size, and then all the pencils lined up in order of size, and then all the markers lined up and just like everything is neat and in its place. Uh, and they're just that sort of side of person. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make a game, uh, or an experience rather, where you're in a virtual room, you can walk around it because it's the vibe, and imagine there are there are many shelves and surfaces on which to put things, and then on the floor <laughs> is like a pile of books. And you can put the books away however you like. And it'll remember that arrangement and then when you leave the game, entropy will occur, and the next time you come back, things will get messed up. But you can put them back in a <laughs> special way that you like, and it, when you since it remembered it, it will it will give you like glorious feedback. So it's essentially a mess cleanup sim- simulator, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds like I know that sounds like the most ridiculous idea, but but for this w- person, it's going to be amazing.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> know, it's there is, <laughs> um a nice calming uh you know sense when when you put things in order and like make things organize <laughs> it, it it feels like you've achieved something there's a um right. there's a site and now i can't think of what it's called but it, it it's basically a virtual desk organizer and it's it's very <laughs> simple uh, it's kind of similar to that but you can rotate stuff and ah. uh it's supposed to be about zen and like how organizing things in certain ways like produces Different, you know, yin and yang, and all that. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. yeah no, that...
1: It's it's so it'll be a lot of focus on like the the feeling of picking things up and mm-hmm. having putting them and having them like snap into their position. Like lots of lots of interaction feedback to that level, um, and uh, and yeah, that's that'll be a lot of it. And and it's relatively simple as far as interaction because you're just like picking stuff up and putting it places but um i think it'll be a good a good introduction to making stuff for vr for me because it's pretty simple but um it'll get really focused in on the details and stuff so that's and and i'm like this is like just started like i've just gotten to the point where i've got the motion controllers working in in unreal and i'm going to move on to being able to pick up a cube right so that's it's mm-hmm. super early uh mostly in concepting phase and just as a way of getting started with making something for VR. Well,
0: that you know, <laughs> Tom's like Bleh. I was like going to say it will be cool, and like I'm looking forward to it at the same time. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. But it's cool.
1: Yeah. Oh. oh, Jason has a two-part question. Hmm. Uh, Jason, I don't know what it is yet. He hasn't put it in. Put in the two. Drum roll. Question.
0: Uh, One, do you have a dev environment you prefer? And two, does that affect your game ideas, or do you start with uh, a more clean slate? Ah,
1: dev environment. Um, It sort of varies. Like, um, when I was in LA last year and working a lot at Glitch City, it it was... I liked that environment because I was sort of surrounded by other people who were also working really hard on their games. And... Mm -hmm it was very motivating and it was a good place to like talk about like if I was running into something to like talk about it. Um, so that was a very different field than, than right now where I, I just have my desk desk in my apartment, uh, which we just got, we just got like a standing desk top so I can have standing desk now. Nice. Um, and, and it's just sort of, um, that's actually something, a challenge I'm facing with this VR game, right? Is, um, Developing, so I've got this big, huge, mega machine for for running the Vive, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure out I'm the best setup. Like, should I have it over here by me, or should I, like, where should this computer be? Where should like the Vive physically <laughs> be? Because you know you'd be working, and then you have to put on the put on the 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 head display, and mm-hmm. and so that's actually something I'm figuring out with this particular project because it's it's really different than. Than you know, working on you know a PC game where I'm just sort of focused in my my little bubble of my desk and just focused in on the screen. So that's something I'm actually like struggling to figure out what's the most comfortable arrangement of things for working in in VR. Hmm.
0: Yeah, no VR. That, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> like the, <Yeah>. the spaces. <laughs> <laughs> there's, I think, I think I heard that there's an arcade being made, um, for mm. VR, which is fantastic because that's one of the big things is that people just don't have space for it or the money.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I suspect that there's going to be a lot of installation sorts of things with mm-hmm. the Vive, especially. But we'll see.
0: Yeah. All right. Um. So I believe that is, uh, the end of our show. So All thank right. you so much for coming on, Lisa. If you want to stick around for a minute, uh, I have a couple things. Sure. Uh, I need to bring up our- mm-hmm. Otherwise we are going to go into the credits Thank you for right. listening thanks in Thanks so ab- much for having oh. me It was super fun <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks for coming on uh, uh, Thank you for listening in A broadcast number 75 of Indie Radio Indie Radio is broadcasted live with 1,000 mics and recorded using Audacity. If you enjoyed the show and are interested in more You can visit our archive at indiefunction.com, SoundCloud Or iTunes Our next show will be on uh, April 9th with William Stalford of Cypher Prime. Thank you again for listening in to ID Radio, and we hope you have a fantastic weekend.